is Diagnosis Glaucoma with your hosts, Dr. Mona Colleen and Dr. Harry Quigley. Hello again. Welcome back to Diagnosis Glaucoma. Today, we are going to be talking about lifestyle and diet since we get lots of questions about this. People are always asking us if there are certain things that they can do to prevent or to treat their glaucoma besides taking medications, having surgery or laser treatment. So, you know, there isn't really any concrete evidence yet. But today we will be talking about some information that does appear in the scientific literature and some of our own personal opinions on this topic. Before we go into the discussion, let's just first define what complementary and alternative medicine refers to. Complementary approaches are used in conjunction with normal glaucoma treatments, whereas alternative approaches are ones that go against medical recommendations or are alternative to them. We don't recommend alternative approaches to treatments. But there are some things that may complement the treatment that you're getting right now that may be helpful. Certainly nothing is going to replace medications and surgeries that we know of yet. And we know that the only known modifiable risk factor for glaucoma is related to modifying the intraocular pressure. But glaucoma also occurs due to other things like stressors and our blood flow problems to the optic nerve. And Harry really is an expert in this area, so I'm going to let him talk about that. Well, the key element here is what is evidence? In other words, what do we believe is really true? And the sine qua non, the thing that really is the stop here, this is real information, is called a randomized clinical trial. So all of our present approved drugs have been shown to be effective in randomized clinical trials, either against another drug or against no drug at all. Complementary approaches in general, and I can say almost unequivocally, there aren't any that have ever undergone a randomized clinical trial, although there's some fair-sized research, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Mona and I hear probably every single patient day from somebody asking the question, I want to do more for myself. I'm worried about my glaucoma. Maybe it's not doing well. In addition to your treatment, what can I do? And I think probably what we'll get to in a few moments is talking about exercise. Because what you want to approve, what you want happening, is you want the nerve cells in your brain and the cells in the eye that die in glaucoma are brain nerve cells. And you want those to be healthy and to do well. Let's talk first about things that don't work as far as we know. There are vitamins that people take for an eye condition called age-related macular degeneration, eye vitamins. Those are not used to treat glaucoma. And other things like megavitamins, or maybe you'll come across something called like an optic nerve vitamin. As far as we know, those don't work for glaucoma, and we don't know what's in them. So I'd advise to not take anything that's like an optic nerve vitamin. The vitamins used for macular degeneration are helpful for people who actually have that condition. But if you don't have macular degeneration, taking those vitamins is not going to necessarily prevent it. Yeah, the ones that she's talking about are called Occuvites, and they're whoppingly expensive. But if you happen to be somebody at risk for macular degeneration, you and your retinal doctor can talk about whether you are someone who might benefit from spending the money on those. Other than that, the studies that looked at vitamins and glaucoma found no beneficial effect whatever. And frankly, our family eats healthy food every day. We try not to eat processed food. We eat probably eight or 10 fruits and vegetables every day between breakfast and lunch and dinner. And if you do that, you're going to get everything that humans need in order to be a healthy person. And that's what you really want to do for your glaucoma is to be a healthy person. 
What kinds of things in the diet do you recommend specifically, Harry? I think that we are getting more and more information about how to live longer. And, and I hopefully am going to live to be 110. But most importantly, doing fresh foods, foods that are not processed, foods that don't have huge amounts of sugar carbohydrates added to them, and eating in moderation. If you're interested in losing weight, one of the most recent things our family did was to do something called the FAST diet, F-A-S-T, FAST. It means that two days a week, you eat very few calories, about 500 calories. And there is some evidence that fasting would help somebody's overall health and also help you to live longer, although you don't have to starve to death. But if you're interested, that's a, that was a best-selling book, and you might want to read it, see if it fits with your personal choice. I see that you had acupuncture on the list, Mona. Have you ever had acupuncture? I have not tried acupuncture myself. I, I did once because we went to a spa and they offered a whole bunch of little benefits from being there at the spa. And one of the things was a session of acupuncture. So I went in and I, I, I had at that point a knee problem. And the person who did it said, well, what problem do you want to solve? And it didn't help my knee problem, but it was a very interesting experience. And when patients say to me, well, I really believe in chiropractic or I really believe in acupuncture, the simple fact that you believe something is going to help may very well help. It's called a placebo effect. So I don't tell people to stop doing things that are benign, that can't hurt them. Now, hanging upside down in gravity boots, that can hurt you. Your eye pressure goes up. Down-facing dog yoga, no thanks, but any other yoga that you want to do could very well be beneficial by decreasing stress. And that comes back to what Mona mentioned earlier about decreasing stressors. Should we talk about yoga? Yes, I love yoga. I'm a big practitioner of yoga. But the thing that we want to tell people about is to avoid that head down position. Are there certain poses that you think are good for people with glaucoma, Harry? Well, I think it's the meditative aspect of it. And you and I have talked personally about the fact that especially during this last year and a half when we had a pandemic and the anxiety and stress level for everyone was higher, simply to stop out for 15 minutes and to do meditation, meaning to let your mind go quiet, to try to focus only just on internal breathing. And I have to admit, it sounds hokey. And on the other hand, it really, really slows you down, calms you down, and I think it's something that people should consider. And there's lots of good books on reading how to meditate, that kind of thing. There's nothing mystical about it. It doesn't cost you anything. And it can't hurt. So because I'm a big yogi, sometimes I get a little technical with the definitions, but there's different types of yoga you can practice. And yoga is not necessarily always a exercise where you're being very vigorous. Yoga can also be just diaphragmatic breathing exercises and meditation, as Harry just mentioned. Those are safe, as well as the more vigorous activity. But again, just avoiding positions where your head is below your heart, I would say. But yoga is a great practice. It definitely calms one's mind. It can also bring you closer to your faith if you have a particular faith. And relaxation is good for all of us. There was actually an article in the Journal of Glaucoma in February of 2021 that talked about different postures and the breathing techniques. So Journal of Glaucoma, February 2021. If anyone wants the very specific link for that, you can send us an email to diagnosisglaucoma at gmail.com. We'll provide that for you. But there is a great video that demonstrates the breathing techniques. There's something else, which is exercise, because several of us on our glaucoma team have been runners or aerobic exercisers. One of our colleagues has done the Ironman. 
people don't have to necessarily do the Ironman triathlon, but simply getting up off the couch and being more aerobically fit, even if it's only vigorous walking, is now actually demonstrated in very significant trials to benefit those with glaucoma. And this is work done by our colleague Pradeep Ramalu and our team at the Wilmer Institute. And I believe that Pradeep will actually be on an episode soon. So that's something for all of you to look forward to. Yeah, especially if you're interested in, well, what kind of exercise, you know, is needed and, you know, do I need 100 weights and uh, stuff like that. By the way, weight training is very good for everyone. It's probably better for men and women who are older than calcium supplement injections for keeping your bones better. But be sure that if you're doing weight-bearing exercise, that you're not holding your breath while you're doing it. Because you may know that holding your breath and vigorously exerting raises your eye pressure. And you say, well, it didn't raise it for very long. No, but it raises it pretty high. And why do that when you can breathe through every exercise that you're doing, whether it's a five pound weight or a 50 pound weight. So no grunting while you're doing your chest presses and no, no uh, decline bench presses, by the way. That's another down-facing dog that people are doing when they do weight training. It's perfectly fine to do a bench press horizontal body, but not head down. So here's a question for you. What about people who play wind instruments? That's one that's been a lot of fun. And our, our colleague, Joel Schumann, did a wonderful study of a trumpet player who found that his eye pressure actually did go quite high when playing high notes. And they, they literally measured his eye pressure while he was playing. Now, if it were a very significant risk factor for people in general who have the possibility of glaucoma, then a study that looked at all the symphonic players in the United States would find that they had a much higher rate of glaucoma than do everybody else. And that's not actually been shown. So we think it may only be relevant for those who are playing large wind instruments. We're talking about French horn and tuba, maybe the oboe because of the exertion that's necessary for playing that instrument. And I have to say that I follow quite a number of symphonic musicians to be sure that they're not getting glaucoma from playing their instruments. So they get to live their life and also be safe from the disease. You bring up a good point, which is that people who play these instruments, and to kind of add on to that, people who do yoga where their head is down or engage in these really heavy weight-bearing exercises, we're not necessarily saying that you need to be at greater risk for getting glaucoma than a normal individual who has no other risk factors. But I would say that if you have glaucoma, that you should be careful. And if you have a glaucoma that's progressing in particular, you want to be more careful. Do you agree with me on that, Harry? Yeah, that's the people that I follow are people who either have a family member with glaucoma or they actually have the disorder. And we watch them, I would say, substantially more carefully than we watch even the average patient. Now, another thing that comes up not infrequently is what about swimming and goggles? And as you know, Mona, we're doing some very interesting research on goggle wearing. And we found that the little cup-shaped I'll use a brand name, Speedo goggles, that are actually pretty common. Those goggles raise the eye pressure. And we have to wonder how likely is it that a young person who's in goggles all day long of that particular type actually has a high eye pressure during the wearing of the goggles. You can easily wear goggles that do not press on the area around the eye called the orbit. The goggles rest on your forehead and your cheeks. And there's quite a number of brands of those that are easy to use. They're available online. So if you're going to wear swimming goggles and you have a glaucoma situation personally, it's best to wear goggles that fit around the outside 
of the area around your eye, around what's called the bony orbit. So it's still okay to swim if you have glaucoma, but Harry, what about if you have a trabeculectomy operation? Yeah, our, our operations for glaucoma, one of them leads to an area that allows fluid to exit the eye. And I'm sure there's one of our podcasts that you'll want to hear again about trabeculectomy if you haven't heard that one already. Trabeculectomy gives rise to this area that's just at the top of the eye under the eyelid. And patients who've had that have a maybe one in a thousand chance per year of getting an infection through that glaucoma surgical area. So while that's a very low number, it's a number we have to pay attention to. What I say to my patients who've had trabeculectomy is before you get in the swimming pool or the ocean, you put the goggles on. And after you get out, you dry off your face, you dry off your goggles, and then you take the goggles off. And that way you're not exposing the surface of your eye to pool water or ocean water that could be injurious to the area of surgery. And frankly, I think everybody ought to do that. I never get in my swimming pool without putting the goggles on first. I make sure they don't leak so I don't have water rolling around inside them. Swimming pool water has some amoebas that can seriously impact and infect the cornea and that are extremely hard to treat. So if you're interested in protecting your eyes just in general, even if you haven't had glaucoma surgery, use goggles when you go in a swimming pool. This is actually a very good topic for us to discuss in another episode because there is a lot on that swimming, scuba diving, snorkeling, and glaucoma, and having had glaucoma surgery. And we should do that podcast underwater. That would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully it can be underwater in, in a tropical place. All right. I'll buy the tickets. Okay, great. And in other things, meditation, we did kind of touch on that. We should mention that our colleague, Elise McGlumphy is getting ready to do a study on meditation and uh, glaucoma. Dr. Elise McGlumphy, if you're interested in her work, you can visit our website, www.diagnosisglaucoma.com, and reach out to her via her development officer, uh, Ms. Daniela Freed. You know, we haven't talked about coffee and, and booze. And in moderation, all of the evidence on coffee, and there have been some good case series and even randomized trials on the effect of coffee and alcohol on glaucoma, on the appearance of glaucoma, in other words, getting it in the first place, and also on its progression. And a cup of coffee a day or one drink a day, you will live longer, and it does not impact your glaucoma. But if you're somebody who's pumping down five cups of coffee a day, or if, God forbid, you're someone who is over-drinking alcohol, it's terrible for your body. It's bad for your blood pressure, and that's something that you want to not do. But it actually doesn't have any specific detrimental effect on glaucoma at all to have a cup a day of either of those. I've actually read work by our colleague Ann Coleman from the West Coast about the benefits of eating a diet rich in antioxidants. So I'll often tell patients to increase their dietary intake of fruits, vegetables, and also caffeinated black tea or green tea. Other things I tell people to increase in their diets, well, the point is to have a better diet and not necessarily to try to take things in the pill of a form or a vitamin. Omega-3 fatty acid is also good for us, uh, not just good for our eyes, but for our whole body. So omega-3 fatty acid you can find in things like flaxseed, fish oil, and walnuts. And in fish. Yes, in fish. <laughs> Interestingly, a great story to tell you. I, for years, we drank skim milk. And my wife and I thought we were doing a great thing. You know, I mean, our children were raised on skim milk. So we said, oh, we don't want them to get all that fat. It turns out that when they skim milk, they take all the omega-3 fatty acids out of the milk. So we're back drinking, when we drink milk, we're back drinking whole milk now. Organically raised. 
I think everyone needs to consider whether or not when they eat chicken, when they eat beef, how were those animals raised and how do you think you want things that go into your body to have live their life? I recently read a study in our major journal, which is called simply ophthalmology, about an association with consuming a Mediterranean diet and better outcomes with people who have age-related macular degeneration. That's a different disease altogether than what we're talking about right now, but I generally advocate for emulating that Mediterranean diet if you can. So as we've kind of been talking about fresh foods, fresh organic meats, and anything else to add to that, Harry? No, I think when you when you say I want to eat a lot of antioxidants, what you're really talking about is eating fresh fruits and vegetables. So pick fresh fruits and vegetables that you like to eat. If you get into this thing that I mentioned called the fast diet, you'll realize that there's quite a number of wonderful vegetables, broccoli, asparagus, strawberries, that have almost no calories. But they're very tasty, they're very filling, and they're loaded with antioxidants. So, you know, there you are. You're doing six good things for yourself at once. And Harry, where can people find that book you're mentioning? I would say any library. I mean, now that libraries are almost open again, the fast diet, if you want. For us, it was a wonderful thing, but it may not fit with you. And by the way, if you're aerobically exercising, don't think that you have to lose weight. You can still be your original weight, but if you increase your exercise, your heart's going to be healthier, you're going to live longer, and aerobic exercise lowers eye pressure, even if you don't lose weight. Very good. I guess our concluding statements here are going to be that people who are healthier tend to have better lives overall, are more healthy, and I would also add to that, are more compliant with their treatments. We're still learning a lot about glaucoma, and the information that we're talking about here is unofficial and should not replace your current medical therapy and the recommendations of your ophthalmologist. Well, your bottom line is, get off your bottom. That's a good way to put it. And with that, uh, we will see you then next time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, your mom says take your drops. 